Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Sean Cowden of Sean M. Cowden Construction. Sean has been in the construction business in Fort Worth for 35 plus years. He started framing houses even before graduating from Paschal High School, eventually starting his own framing company at the age of 20. Sean moved into general contracting in 2006. Framers have to understand houses from the perspective of every trade, so Sean's background gives him both breadth and depth of construction expertise. He loves the variety and challenge of remodeling homes and counts himself lucky to have found lifelong work in a field he is passionate about. Now for the conversation with Sean Cowden. Hey, Sean, glad to have you with me today. Good, glad to be here. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. We'll give everyone a rundown. Where are you located? What's the business name? Who are you? You know, that sort of thing. All right. So we are in Fort Worth, Texas, and it is Sean M. Cowden Construction, LLC. We do residential remodel, and that's the main focus of our business. We do a little bit of commercial remodeling, but like I said, residential is our main focus. Right on. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about the company, you know, just maybe like team size, what kinds of projects you guys working on within residential? Okay. We, there are four of us. I have a project manager, a office manager, and a just hired an estimator, and then myself. Our projects are with the pandemic. Most of our stuff has been bathrooms and kitchens, interior structural renovations where people have decided they didn't like what they were living in. And then the, another big piece of our work is just is repair work. Like we are working on a 110-year-old house where we're rebuilding the entire front porch. And so those are pet projects for me. Those are my favorites. That's the genesis of what we do. Our kind of our sweet spot is between about 75,000 and 250. That's we have jobs below and above that, but that's kind of our sweet spot from a size project cost standpoint. Right on. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm I'm just assuming here by the company name that you started the company, but yeah, when when did you start that and yeah, kind of just talk about the early early innings there. Okay, so yeah, so it is me. I am Sean. I am the namesake. Um <laughs> This particular iteration I started, um, I think about 16 years ago, so 2000, whatever that is. But my prior history to that is I started out as a framing contractor in my 20s, and I framed houses, big, giant projects up until my mid-30s. And then, and then as all framers will know, that your body starts to wear out because it's difficult work. And so anyway, so I transitioned through a different couple of different project management jobs, and then ultimately decided 
I needed to be back working for myself. And so I started this, this remodeling company. And for a long time, it was just me. And I would strap my bags on when I needed to, to do part of the work. And it's just grown from there. And so that's sort of my background. So this is essentially, it's all I've ever done since high school. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. So I'm curious about that decision point. You said I needed to kind of go back into business for myself. Like, why did you come to that realization? Why was that exciting at the time? Well, I think because the I was project managing for this other, it was a steel fabrication company. And I was doing basically for them what I had been doing for myself as a framer and what I knew I would be doing for myself if I got back out into the remodeling business. And I thought I would just do that for myself rather than do it for somebody else. I, When I left that company, and I left that company on good terms, and in fact, the CEO called me into his office and he said, you know, you have over a million dollars worth of business sitting on the table and you're leaving. Why? <laughs> and I just told him, I said, it's time for me to go back and work for myself. And he said, I understand that. And then that guy ultimately called me out to give him a bid on a project that he had at his own house. And not a, I don't, we didn't do it. I don't know if he ever decided to do it or not, but I think he saw somebody that needed to be working for themselves. And, and he was right. I mean, that's, I don't belong under somebody else's umbrella. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, I know that feeling for sure. So I'm curious, you said it was you for a while. When did you make that transitioning to hiring your first person and yeah, how did you decide who you needed and that sort of thing? Well, and I think it was in 2006, I hired my office manager. She's my office manager now. I hired her in 2006 and then, then the crash came and in 2009, I had to let her go because our business went, we lost 75% of our sales the fo- that following year. And wow, so yeah. I just, there was no way to keep her on. And, and at that point, that's when I made that first hire. And that was, but it took another probably four or five years before I ever put a, put her back on the payroll. And that was just simply because at the t- as I was ramping back up and the market was good, as it got better and better, I had to deal with my mom got ill. My dad had some problems after my mother passed. So it was never right. I never could focus on the business the way I needed to or wanted to. And I took the opportunity to work for myself, make the money I needed and travel. And so we did a lot of travel and, and having just me as the sole operator. I have I had my brother who was who's a carpenter also. When we would travel, he would go check on my jobs, but I basically would shut them down at that, you know, while we were traveling. And those were usually two to three week long travel periods. So so finally after as as things grew, our business was growing, I needed a change. I needed, I felt like I needed to start running the business more from a business oriented fashion. And so I made that move to hire her back as the office manager. And then within a year, she gave me enough room to really start focusing on sales. And then within about a year, maybe a little over a year, the need came that I that I needed a project manager. So I hired my brother <laughs> as my project manager. But he's been in the business almost as long as I have. 
And he's worked for me off and on the entire time as a carpenter. So I know him well, just not even as, but not more than as a brother. I mean, I know what kind of work ethic he's got. And so and we made that move and it's worked out great. He was on a, on a project that he was working on and fell off a ladder. And he said, you know, I don't need to be on ladders anymore. And so it just, the timing was, was perfect. So I hired him on. And, and then again, that gave me room to focus on sales. And, and then in September, we hired an estimator. So, and it's sort of, again, the same process is happening again. He's given me room to focus on other things. And so we're looking at, you know, hire, putting somebody on late at the end of this year, or maybe in 2023. So right on. Yeah, it's pretty methodical at this point. So yeah, well, and and it's super cool to to hear it because I think a lot of times things in hindsight are like, oh, that was so obvious, but uh, it's not always obvious in the moment. But like when you make those hires, it frees up your time, and then you're like, now I can sell more, and it's like, well, now we're bigger, and it's like, oh, now we need somebody else, and and a lot of times it's it's feels scary to like I'm gonna hire this person even though I'm not quite ready or the numbers maybe don't tell me I should, but as soon as you do. Yeah, like all of your time starts to come back and that's a premium resource and you can go into, you know, moving the company forward. I totally agree with that. I and and I had night sweats thinking about hiring the estimator because he really is mostly in overhead where our project manager is paid on a percentage basis of the project. So that number that's an easy one to swallow, but it was the estimator that was an overhead item. That one was really, that was, that one was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. So I'm assuming it's, it's, it's paid, it's paid off. It's working well so far. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 and, and I did due diligence with him and it, and it, I mean, it was, a, it was a two or three month process of visiting and, and I had some background with him as well, but the, again, the opportunity came up and, and we seized on that opportunity. That was part of it, but the negotiation of what he would do, payroll, all of those things. I mean, I wanted him to make sure that he was comfortable from where he was leaving and that mm-hmm. that we set the stage for a long-term relationship because we have a we have a basically we've had a plan for about a one-year onboarding process before we turn him loose completely without much interruption. I wanted him to be fully immersed in what we do. Plus, I wanted him to help. There were some processes that we still hadn't hadn't hashed out, and I wanted him to be integrally involved in that, so that we could then replicate that later on. So, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious too to just get your perspective. Just being being a business owner, you've been doing this for for a while now. What do you think is the toughest part about running your own business? <sighs> Man, that's a really good question because it. I think it varies from where your business is at. I think right now the toughest part of it is for me and probably the thing I'm focusing most on is finding new sources of leads and figuring out how to drive that to drive new leads to us because most of what we do still has a huge word of mouth component to it but I know I need more. So we've been doing SEO work. We've been upping our our social media game. I reached out to you. We're taking information from everywhere and trying to drive, do new things that aren't are comfortable to us that we understand at least we can and drive new people in. And I think that for me right now, that's been 
the hardest part because that's a huge learning curve for me. And because I'm not afraid of of technology, but SEO work is is been a really tough learning curve for me. The marketing part I get, I understand it. I think I'm a natural marketer. I, I present myself well. That the networking part of it, I get that. But the SEO, the the stuff on the internet, the social media. It just eludes me. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's always changing and, it move, you know, it moves really fast and exactly. yeah, it can get fairly technical, but I, I would say like just hearing you kind of talk through that, it's fairly common that at like a lot of these businesses get built off the ground with word of mouth and referral. And then you kind of hit a point where you're like, I'm kind of capped. And if I want to grow, like I really need to figure out the marketing piece. It sounds like that, that might be the stage that you're at right now. It's like, okay, word of mouth referral always gets me like a million bucks or 1.5, whatever it is in sales. And now I need, you know, marketing to drive me higher. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. And that's where, and, and you, you hit the, you hit the dollar volume that, that we've, we've kind of come to the conclusion is that we did one point. 3 million last year, 1.4 million last year. And we feel like that's the cap for the, the way our leads come in now. But we've been working on this SEO stuff for now a little bit over a year. So we're starting to get some actual outside of our normal processes leads in. And it's helped with our with our social media campaign because it we pop up in different places. And so it makes us more legitimate. But so for the people we can they can find us in other places and and it just gives a comfort factor i think is that's sort of the place we're in now i will say that this popped into my head but you know we've had to change our contracts because now we're dealing with people we don't ordinary like they're removed from a natural qualifying process hmm, so if sure. we get a referral or a lead from from a prior client they don't tend to refer people that aren't going to pay you. <laughs> At least that's my that's my yeah. viewpoint on it. And so we've had to change our contracts. I mean, so it's it's just all those little details in that 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 have have at times have kept me awake at night. You know, did we, you know, or do we have all of our bases covered and and the likes. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show.
Well, what about on the flip side? Maybe like a big win that you feel like you've had across your business journey or like a couple, like a milestone or something that got you pretty excited. I, I think our, our sales from last year, that got me really excited. It was, we weren't shooting for a necessarily, you know, beating sales the previous year. The pandemic years have been really odd anyways. And so we haven't really been trying to measure ourselves against something from a previous year, but we knew in basically August or September that we were going to eclipse our our biggest sales year ever. And that was a lot of hard work. And that was that was a, a goal that once we saw it, we were working towards making, ensuring that that happened. Just, just so we had that, that feather in our cap and just from an internal side so that it buoyed us going into 2022. Because I don't really think we're going to grow th- that much this year because I don't think we're ready. It's 2023 and that's what we've been working towards, regardless of what the market is going to do. We feel like in 2023, we'll be really well positioned to maintain and grow. And yeah. I expect we'll put another person on at that point as well. So yeah. Cool. yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. The, it's always uh, fun to hit a revenue milestone. And I, I like, you know, your uh, wording on it, putting a feather in the cap. It just kind of like gives you some confidence. Like, yeah, we're here. We can do it. Like, now let's look at the next level. And yeah, that's super cool. Well, I'm curious too. It's, I mean, you, you went through the Great Recession, you know, and big changes there. I'm sure that was really trying. Then you've come come out of that, like had some some wins and making great progress. Like, I'm curious just to go through the highs and the lows of entrepreneurship. What what gets you fired up? What keeps you going and getting out of bed every day and continuing to work on it? I love this industry. Number one, my family background. There's a lot of construction background. My great uncle was a carpenter. One of my other great uncles was a commercial contractor in Dallas and has left a couple of really fantastic buildings. I have my my dad's brother, my uncle. He was a high-end residential contractor in Houston. So it's just sort of in our blood, just weirdly. And I and I just love the industry. And it that enough alone will get me out of bed. But I also have been thoroughly enjoying focusing on building the business because it's not unlike building a re- doing a remodel job like it's a process mm-hmm. and and so you're just figuring out you're just figuring out the next thing that needs to to happen for me that that's the drive I get out of it i mean i'm 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 thoroughly enjoying the the process of building the company going to the next level where i'm i'm removed from the projects in a way that I have never been removed from the projects. I know what's going on, but I don't see, I don't see all every nail or screw that's going in it. That's a good spot to be in. And yeah, it's a nice to get to that spot in the evolution. That's cool. All right. Story time. You got any like crazy projects or wacky clients that you worked with in the past? Something you can share. You can leave names out, but anything <laughs> coming to mind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of them. We were doing a big interior renovation. This was probably 10 years ago or so. And and it was a two-story house. And most of our work was downstairs. And this house had been empty for a while. And and this current owner bought it and was renovating it. And they kept complaining about this one toilet. We'd done some plumbing work. And this one toilet upstairs would not flush well. 
and it just kept clogging up and, but nothing on the toilet looked like it was a problem. Well, finally I got the plumber over there and we pulled the toilet. We drained it, pulled the toilet and we really couldn't see anything. And then he, he reached up in the throat of the toilet and pulled out a clip from a nine millimeter pistol. And that was what was, that was what was clogging the toilet. And he, as he, as my plumber said, he said, well, that was packed and, and loaded. (laughs) And, and it was as disgusting as you can imagine. So it, it was, that's probably one of the craziest I know it's among the craziest things we've come across in, in our, in our work, I, you know, yeah. outside of, outside of just hearing people always tell me how well built old houses are compared to what we do nowadays, the stuff mm-hmm. I've uncovered, it's a miracle that sometimes the thing hasn't burned down or hasn't fallen in on itself. <laughs> oh man. Jeez. Yeah. Oh man. That's, that's crazy. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm looking for it like fast forward and you know, when we do this for a year, we'll kind of, we'll have to like go toe to toe and see like who had the craziest, uh, craziest story. Cause there's been, there's been some good ones. So, well, I'm curious, you know, you said that this year probably going to be like a little bit of growth or maybe similar to last year and then setting up for a, a big 2023, like fast forwarding a little bit beyond that. Like, what do you see for the company? What's the future look like? Where are you trying to go? Well, so we have, well, we, I have a sort of five to seven year overall plan that's only in my head. I do share it with, with our team, but it's not really in writing. And that is the processes that we're trying to put in place. Is we're, what I remind them of is we're trying to put processes in. So if somebody came in and wanted to buy us, they would know exactly how to run the business. And that's been our goal. And so I have one of the key players that has we've we've had discussions about them potentially taking over and purchasing the business and running it because they're quite a bit younger than I am and they're and they're very talented and so and so there's sort of that mentorship and I think it was one of your podcasts that I was listening to and somebody mentioned that to have that that five-year viewpoint and what you want to, where do you want to see yourself in five years? And, and for me, I want to be backed out of the business. I would like to find that next pet project for myself. And I can't do that if I'm in this full time. So that's our overall plan. So it's to, it's to, to build a business where it's, where it's somebody that would want to come in and buy it. It's then finding way to pull me out of the business a little bit. So I'm not spending the 120, 30% of my time in it that I am now, which is fine with me, but it's, uh, but it's got to, it'll have to stop at some point and then, and then start to pull back and then find that, that pet project. And in five to seven years, I won't be retirement age, but I'll be close and I won't have too much longer to go. So that's, I'm just sort of building towards the future, building what we can now. And with those, that five to seven year idea out there. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, that I could see how that would be motivating and yeah, nice to have somebody that may be able to take over. That's uh, that's not always the case and that that would be a great thing to be able to pass that on and yeah, that's super cool. I like the mentor mentee relationship of trying to groom them for that position and teaching them because they're they don't have the construction background that I have. So they're going to have to learn the business from a completely different viewpoint. 
which is possible because I see it in other businesses, other remodeling businesses where those people didn't have a remodeling background, construction background like I do. It doesn't make them better or worse contractors. It just makes them different. And the person that we're grooming or I'm helping get to that point is not going to ever have that. There's no way they cannot get that background that I have. And so we're trying to learn the business through a different avenue so they know how to run it and know how to hire. Because that's what that's Mm -hmm. their key thing is they're going to have to learn how to hire. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's awesome. All right, Sean. Well, I got a couple more questions to wrap up and and then we'll do that. So first one, what are like one or two really big challenges that you feel like the industry as a whole is facing and needs to really like figure out over the next, say, 12 to 36 months? Big things that you're seeing that we need to to get on and then start solving. (laughs) The enormous shift in weather changes especially what we've experienced here in Texas. We, the freeze and the February freeze of 2021, and then we just had this small freeze over last week that the temperatures dipped really low. We do not build to those conditions and our weather is hotter than it's been. And so that for me, that's the like that's one thing I talk to all of our customers about. To me, that's the big thing that's on my mind right now is how do we keep things from freezing that we haven't had to worry about before? We did three projects last year that were over $150,000 and they were all freeze related. Wow. You know, we're just not geared up for that here. We're having to learn different practices and having more conversations, but I don't see it happening a lot here. There still seems to be a mentality that, well, it's it's not going to be a problem. Well, regardless of what you think, we are having these changes in there and we need to address them. That's where I'm at at the moment. Just yeah. trying to be better for our customers is yeah. all. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I hadn't heard that one come up yet, but yeah, that that's important for sure. All right, final question. We got a lot of remodelers, business owners listening. If you could just offer up like one piece of advice or final words of wisdom, what would you want to leave people with? I think give back. <laughs> I think that's a big one. And I and I think it's use your position to help others open pathways specifically for for people that are historically underrepresented represented or disadvantaged. We need a lot of tradespeople in the business and they need to come from everywhere. And as business owners, we are in a unique position to open pathways for people. I think that's one of the things that some wisdom that I would leave with people. That's great. And yeah, we're in, we're in a spot where we can create jobs and opportunities and yeah, we need to be doing it. So well, well said. And Sean, thanks for joining me today and sharing your story. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.